Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Sabbath School from Home. This is yet another episode that we're pulling together with a, a smaller team and at shorter notice. And this is just reflective of the fact that life has hit the busy part of the year, frantically trying to get all sorts of things done. Um, for me, the busy part of the year means only another week and a half of, of lectures and plenty of marking, most of which is already overdue. I'm Lachlan. And we're going to have an interesting, but somewhat briefer chat in this episode. And I'm I'm Luke, and I can I can promise the brief part, and I make no comment about the interesting bit. <laughs> and it's only the two of us for this one, uh, and we are hoping to find a, an opportunity to get all of us back together. And and on that, I have seen a couple of interesting thoughts come in to our email address, sabbathschoolfromhome at gmail dot com, and. We see them and we value them, but I don't want to address them in this episode because we can't do them justice. So I'd like to wait and hold them off until we have more of our more of us to chat and a little bit more time to to explore some of those ideas. Mm. So last week we released a, an episode that had been um, sort of a backup recording in a way. It had it had been the recording of what happened after um, the last time when all of us got together and and our backup recording after we stopped. Uh, our mics we um, did pick up the audio and and there were some interesting thoughts there which means that we didn't look in detail at the Sabbath school lesson last week and now we've come to look at it this week in the third episode of this season it feels almost as if the authors or editors of the lesson have really taken off the gloves and d- chalked up their, their their fists ready for a for a biff basically that's that's how I feel I feel a little bit as if they're um, Coming out swinging, um, they they're certainly not leaving their thoughts and intentions vague and unclear, and and to be very uh, explicit about it, what they are seeming to doing is constructing a fairly meticulous and fairly carefully argued um, defense of the traditional Adventist state of the dead doctrine, mm. which to be um, honest about, I I don't have all that much of an issue with, but I find that there's a slight tension because on the one hand the lesson has had to say things like well of course none of us really knows exactly what happens after death none of us have have been there and come back but then at the same time seems to maintain a parallel argument that says and yet despite this no one ever really knowing uh, we've all got it's very vital that we all have exactly the right picture uh, exactly the specific picture of what happens after death and there seems to me to be a bit of a tension in there so what I thought we would do is open to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And Luke, why don't we read the first seven verses or the first eight verses? Um, well, I think the perhaps. lesson quotes one to seven. The lesson does quote and refer to one to seven. We could even read the whole chapter. I reckon we could do all 14 because it's not that long. Um, no. Why don't we do it? And then we'll we'll bounce in with a couple of thoughts as they occur to us. Mm. And see what we find. Yes, and I and I will I will say I, I suggest we read to fourteen because I think one to seven is chosen specifically to make a certain reference and reinforce a certain doctrine. And again, as Locke said, it's not a doctrine I disagree with. Um, the emphasis I find weird, and I dislike verses being picked, cherry picked, you might say in such a way as a particular meaning can be emphasized and other meanings can be ignored because they they are made apparent in the verses that weren't chosen. 
<laughs> so um, maybe you go one to seven, and then since I've put myself out there, I'll do eight to 14. Yeah, sure. This is Ecclesiastes 12. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim in your old eyes, and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men, stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants, stop grinding, and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows, see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper, and the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. What, um, what, what version are you reading from, Locke? I was wondering that as I as I went through it. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Well, I'm going to switch to that because I, I really I really like that has got a, a greater clarity of metaphor and simile than the New International Version. Um, there's there's no major differences, but it 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 sounds better, and I think the meaning is clearer. Um, so I'm going to pop over to the same translation and and read it also. Um, Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express the truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. But, my child... Let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. That is the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. It's huh. interesting there, the verse 8, that everything is meaningless. That That is a phrase in my mind that I associate um in memory with the book Ecclesiastes. I wonder if it's used more frequently or if this is the place. I, I think that... it is from this, because this is this is the one that has many um, quotable verses that we, we often... That, that, yeah, they are very memorable and they stick mm. in the mind. Everything is meaningless as one. Um, you know, much, the books are endless and much study wears you out is another one that all, all young people in school of a religious background like to like to learn and <laughs> laugh about um and um yeah obviously for adventists verse seven is the doctrinal reinforcement that is what it is uh, i yeah it's right there i agree with it um the the prominence that it's given and the fact of they sort of read to it and then end it when the conclusion of this very short passage of verses is only seven verses later 
Yeah. Six, actually, and 13. It literally says yeah. here now is my final conclusion. Um, <laughs> is, is, is weird. Um, yeah. And even verse seven is slightly um, difficult for Adventists, right? Because it talks about the dust returning to the earth. It's, it's pretty clear here. It's, and the lesson does pick this up. I liked what it said about this. Dust returning to the earth is an uncreating. Because back in the Genesis account, God has formed mankind f- from the dust mm. and then breathed the life in. And what happens here is that the dust returns to the earth and the spirit or the breath returns to the God who gave it. So verse 7 is describing this kind of uncreating this unstitching of the of the special entity that god has created mm. in 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 genesis so there's something beautiful and poetic and figurative there as well but then there's also the slightly vague bit about a spirit returning to god seemingly separated or liberated from a mm. body which has returned to dust in the earth and and clearly what i'm what i'm touching on there is this this fact that in christian history there are a range of different understandings of and pictures of how this whole um, thing works when when we die in this well, life. Since since we are doing a shorter recording, look, maybe I will jump straight to my um, my overarching concluding thought. Yes, um, having now read this passage in full, um, and it it just it just reminds me again because we're looking at okay, well, here's something which has been presented in the official Adventist lesson in a certain way. And when you actually look at it in context, it's not that the meaning is different, but the emphasis is very different. This entire like passage that. is about the importance of following God while you are still alive, <laughs> during the span of your life. Mm. The, 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 the meaning of this passage in context is if you wait until you're basically dead, yeah. or indeed after death, to care about what God says... And what God teaches, and and obeying God's commands, you've you've done the wrong. Th- you've waited too long. Mm. Um, mm. You've done the wrong thing. In other words, it when he says everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. Um, it it is talking about the sort of worldly pursuits and ambition. Mm. Um, I think because that's a reference, I believe, to to um, proverbs. And the teacher, I think, is Solomon, if I'm remembering correctly. Sounds quite right. Um, so what this passage is actually talking about is the importance of following God in your life. Yeah. In other words, the passage is saying what happens after you die doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> so firstly, look, you shouldn't be allowed to say that. Clearly, that's not right. But but the same thing is, it's exactly what I was going to observe. It jumped out at me. I couldn't help it. This is a passage whose emphasis is not on the details or mechanics of life of what happens after you not, die. Not in it's any on way. the importance of what happens before you die. Yes, and the choices that you make. And it's very explicitly clear. I mean, all of the poetry of verses 1 to 7... Mm. The, dis- the 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 descriptions of of old age as opposed mm. to youth and uh, quite alarming um, to find myself associating much more with the descriptions <laughs> of old age than youth. <laughs> 
Um, yes, well, on that, I had a funny story. My wife got home from work today and told me about, she said, oh, I've got to tell you, I fell over and I thought I was funny. And I called out, oh, did you have a fall? And she started laughing because she said, no, no, no. I had to explain to all my colleagues in the office, I'm too young to have a fall. I just fell. <laughs> mm. So Yes. It, I mean, falling is 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 totally safe and normal. But having a fall is very dangerous. Exactly. Unfortunately, it only happens to us when we get old. <laughs> um, I I liked the um the the sort of poetry there as well. You know, even just before verse seven. You know, don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the mm. pulley is broken at the well. I think there's some element here where it's actually not just saying what you live, the way you live in this life matters. It's saying, don't. Don't just put it off. Don't say, oh, well, uh, yeah, I accept that I've got to make important decisions here in this life, but I- I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next year. I'll wait till I'm 30. I'll wait till I'm 50. I'll, you know, it, there's, a, there's a sense in which not only um, do you become a bit less capable in some of these physical ways as you get older, but there's a sense in which there might be genuine opportunities that present themselves mm. to, to do, what is it, the... Um, verse 13 fear god and obey his commands yes um, um and, and and we know we know you know you've got micah 6 8 and every other verse like it which yeah. describes what fearing god and obeying his commands is and it's not a list of doctrines mm. it's it's concrete actions that you take in relation to uh, the well-being of other humans so this is something that i was going to think about as a as an experimental scientist um I sometimes just wonder about the sorts of contra- like just counterfactual experiments you might be able to do. So, so imagine the way you would live your life if you had an Adventist picture, Adventist Christian picture of death, which is that there is no separable soul and that death is like a sleep, an unconscious state, not not some soul disembodied and 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 living in heaven immediately. Okay. What sort of life would you live as a Christian with that Adventist picture of what happens after death? All right, just play, imagine the counterfactual. What if you were a Christian person committed to living life in the way of Jesus, but you just happened to believe that the soul was a separable entity and that after death, the body decayed, but the soul in some conscious state went and returned to God who gave it? I wondered to myself just how much difference that would really make. Well, what what is going to change in the way that you interact with God's mission and commands in the here and now? Am I missing something? I feel like it's no, I, not going to make a massive I don't, difference. I don't think you are missing anything. Because what the Adventist um, view includes, but which is often just kind of ignored, is that the the difference with, with other Christian belief systems is primarily in what happens after death and before the second coming Mm. and and at the second coming everything pops back into alignment we all believe that god can raise the dead yeah restore the dead to life so the state of the dead doesn't in an interim period in the end doesn't really matter i suppose there's one sense in which it would alter because if you did feel like great-grandma was sleeping in the grave, then you would not really be tempted to try and communicate with great-grandma. But if you really did feel like great-grandma was as a spiritual soul entity, in some sense conscious and, and you know, smiling down on you from the stars, as as is a, 
a pretty common kind of picture out there in the mm. world, then maybe you would at times feel, well, all right, I'm I'm captivated by the idea of trying to communicate with with this person who's dead. That seems to me to be one possible way where this where this could lead to a different lived experience here and now. But I can't even then see that communicating with this with this dead ancestor is going to really centrally cross over with what is being reminded here in Ecclesiastes 12. Mm. Live in the generous way of God. You know, obey God, obey God's commands. This is everyone's duty. And the duty that it's talking when it's compared to some of these things like the words of the wise are like cattle prods, um, guidance, mm. the, the the teacher guiding the, the the stick that's guiding the sheep. There's the whole idea of living aligned with God and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm blurring New Testament language of mm. you know, Holy Spirit's guidance and the kingdom of God back onto this Old Testament passage. But I see them being very resonant in this idea that there are people who commit themselves to following God wherever that leads and to pursuing God's mission and God's commands, um, that seems to me a be, to be a consistent call through, throughout the whole Bible. It, it is. And what this verse says, and I really like, um, you know, 8, 8 to 11, the teacher, the teacher says everything is meaningless. The teacher sought to find the right words to express truth clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Mm. What he is saying is, a little bit like compound interest. Get started early. Ah, um, yeah. Understand, uh, you know, when you are young, uh, there's a lot of things which are meaningless, uh, mm. which don't feel meaningless. They feel very important to you yeah. when you're young, right? And yeah. so what he's saying is if you can understand this, tr- this truth kind of sucks, but if you can understand it early, you are gaining a huge advantage. Mm. Um. And, and and I think that that's really interesting to consider, to cons- you know, we, we tend to think of obeying God. As, I mean, we often talk about it as a daily decision. You sort of daily devote yourself um, to God's service, or we talk about it in, in terms of big pivotal events like a baptism. Um, but what we don't talk about it very much as, and we should because it's very biblical, is an accumulation Hmm. An accumulation of service, um, an accumulation right. of, of practice, experience, serving God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I say this, this, this it's very biblical because um, Jesus actually uses the comparison um, of, of uh, one of the parables is about a rich man who stores up, who stores up wealth on earth and then dies and can't take it with him. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and another um, similar sort of economic parable is about the the servants who are entrusted with money, and the one, the ones who who invest it and get that compounding return, are the ones who are complimented mm. by by the master. I really like that. So it's kind of like I was trying to think of a good word. Spiritual superannuation came to mind as alliteration, but it's not quite right. <laughs> the idea being, when you've got financially, if you've got some 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 value invested in something that's providing returns you can reinvest those returns you can you can yes. add the dividend payments back into the the investment and it'll capital uh, the the it'll compound is the word i mean over time here we're not talking about financial returns but the the committing 
to this direction and this emphasis in life early means that if I switch now to a more biblical analogy, it means that the tree can start bearing fruit and that the earlier you can start bearing fruit, the more seeds you can be planting, which compounds Mm. the amount of fruit that you can then harvest. I'm sorry for jumping metaphors there, but I, I feel like that was that that's that's the idea that is merging in my mind from what you said. I really like it. Mm. Well, maybe it's a it's a good idea to end on because we are at about the twenty minute, and I feel like that has has been a really good um, discussion of of the the chapter of, of yeah. If you would ask me for the summary of this in the context of the discussion that, that we're having this quarter, stepping through the Adventist lesson, uh, which is sort of exploring death and, and its and its meaning and its impact and how we understand it, I would have to admit that for Ecclesiastes 12, the main point is not that when dead, the human entity has returned as dust. The main point is merely just that we all will die. Mm. I, I, so... What are you going to do with the time you actually have? Well, it, yes, quite well. Well said. Um, I, I was thinking of another way it could be expressed, um, which is to say, a, again, in contrast to the way that Adventists often think and talk about death, it's almost always in the context of what happens after. Mm. This chapter is talking about death in the context of what happens before it. And ah. I really do feel like that's a more productive way to talk about death. Right. Right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to leave you all pondering that thought that that thinking about death may be more useful in the here and now if we think about life before death and its meaning and its application and its um, the way to apply its value. Um, so that's a really interesting thought. I've I've enjoyed that, even though it was a little briefer, and you've given me a few um, ideas that are going to go buzzing around inside my mind and probably emerge again sometime between now and oh, the end of this season. Ho- hopefully in the next recording when we're all here. Yeah. That would be yeah. excellent. Well, thank you very much for listening. If you do have any thoughts you'd like to add to the conversation or just comments, feel very free to email sabbathschoolfromhome at gmail.com. As I say, we we do enjoy receiving those and we will find the right opportunities to discuss them and insert them into these podcasts. So in some slightly non-linear way, you can join this conversation, even though a podcast is necessarily a little bit lopsided between us as the people behind the microphones and you as the people behind the earbuds. Um, But thanks very much for joining us and we look forward to you joining us again next week where chances are we'll have more than... Um, just the two of us here to record something. Amen.